Amen. Amen. For over 20 years, the mission statement of this congregation has been making disciples for Jesus who are eager to serve others. Since about 2008, the leadership of this church named and articulated four ways of focusing that mission. It wasn't new, it was just recognizing what this church had always been about. And those four words you've come to know now are campus, kids, healing, and hope. That it's in those four directions primarily, mainly, that we focus the disciple-making mission. And so I want you to know that what we do today where we have the the blessing of the, of the babies, where we lift one another up, where we come together and we are one another's people during times when we need healing and hope. That's all about that discipleship mission. It's all about making disciples. This is why we're encouraging you to read Scripture right now. And I need to remind you that I was behind in my Scripture reading. Now I'm ahead. Yeah, well, I'm ahead in Genesis. I'm behind in Mark. But I'll catch up. The point is, keep reading. And if you need encouragement to keep reading, the group is meeting again tonight at 5 o'clock. In fact, Dr. Cole will show you what an actual denarius... He's got one. I didn't know he was that old, but he's got an actual denarius. You need to come see this. The little coins talked about in Mark. You've been, if you have been keeping up with that, then you've, you've been reading about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And how God is going to give the land to them. But Abraham doesn't have any children. Isaac has two children. How are we going to have this great nation in all of this land? And, and then the story will, will take a new twist because Jacob will have all of these children but they won't be in the land anymore. They'll be in Egypt. And in a few more months, you're going to see the bigger picture of the story because Moses is going to be asked by God to go and lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses doesn't know that this is something that he can do, but God tells him it is. And just like we're learning today, you just have to always be ready. Whatever comes up, you have to be ready. Ready to do what God wants you to do. And he'll help you to do that. And so, in setting the scene for our Scripture today out of Deuteronomy 6, Moses has led the people out of Egypt. He's led them through the wilderness, and now they stand on the edge of the Promised Land. And, and old Moses himself will not go into the Promised Land. It's a heartbreaking, touching story. He himself will not make it there. But he has a vision that goes beyond his years. A vision that God has given him and an instruction that he delivers to his people as they're about to go in and claim this land that God has promised to their ancestors. This generational project of putting the people on the land so that the whole world might be saved. It's Moses' responsibility to tell them be ready for this and here's what you're going to do and what your children will do 
and what your children's children will do. That's the scene as Moses says these words. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord God all the days of your life and keep His decrees and His commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away and when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that. When you read Deuteronomy in the New Revised Standard version it's one of those that emphasizes that word that appears again and again so that so that that God is giving Moses and Moses is delivering to the people the reason why we do this it's so that you and your children will respect the Lord it's not just because we have to do something to keep the kids busy it's not just because we have to do something that makes the kids behave there's a purpose in this. And, and one of the things we do, let's be honest, is we discount the disciple-making of our children sometimes. Now, I'm not trying to scold anybody, and I'm not trying to get, you know, make us feel bad, but I'm owning this too. And sometimes we look at making disciples, and we think evangelism, soul-winning, will, soul and building up the membership, building up the people, the attendees that we pack in here so that we can have more people making more contributions and then we can just on and on and on save souls. And there's a lot of that that is good. But then when we get that picture, we sometimes disregard our children saying, well, they're just supposed to be baptized anyway, aren't they? They're just supposed to be Christians anyway, aren't they? Just like one day they'll grow up and they'll be old enough to vote because they were born American. And we take it for granted that our children are going to be disciples. Or we discount it. And we worry for so long that they're too young, they're not old enough, they don't understand, and then finally, they're in their 20s and they don't want anything to do with church. Because we've worried for too long that they don't get it all. So that. God is telling His people how this is done. I don't want us to discount the discipling of our children any longer. Paul thought it was important. I mean, it's biblical. It's not only vital that we disciple our children, all of our children. I'm talking about not just in our families, but in this community. It's, it's vital, 
but it's also biblical. In 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul reminds Timothy, he says, from your infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. He was taught it by his grandmother and his mother. Now it's interesting, some translations will translate that as infancy, not just childhood. That means that Paul said there's something valuable about Timothy knowing those Scriptures when he probably can't even understand them fully. As you're going through this Bible reading, parents, grandparents, read them to your children. The little children that got blessed today, read to them. Well, they don't understand how to... They don't understand it. Yep, it doesn't matter. Read it to them. Read it to them. Keep reading it, because when you get in the habit, it will become part of what you do and who you are. Notice that Moses was saying, you're going to fix it to your hand. You're going to write it as an emblem on your forehead. What is all of that about? He's saying, I want you, I want this printed on you. I want it everywhere. It's going to be environmental so that your life will be longer. I know we can't necessarily extend our life on earth, but when we know God's teaching, our life just might be blessed in eternity. Your life is also abundant. Jesus' words in John 10.10, He's saying that He's not the one that came to harm or condemn or kill or destroy. He's the one that came so that His sheep, His children, His people might have abundant life. And you will increase. You will increase. It will go well for you in the land. We will be making disciples because, not because we're, we're focusing on techniques or tricks or gimmicks, but because we are focusing on the heart of Christian purpose and meaning of following Jesus, we're focused on being disciples. The title here is Discipling Our Children, Not Disciplining Our Children. That's a whole other conversation. They have to do with each other. But I really want you to think first, before you think about disciplining your children, it's always so funny how we get into conversations about disciplining our children before we even think about discipling our children. When you focus on discipling your children, then you'll know how to discipline them. Because when we start off with disciplining our children, we only think of one thing. How do I know all this? I've been a parent. That's how. <laughs> and I've been a child. When we talk about disciplining our children, we're focused only on making them mind us. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my kid do what I say. That's disciplining your child without any thought of discipling that child. And discipling a child means that we are teaching the child. And here in Deuteronomy 6, he has three things that show up again and again. Listen, love, and live. I want you to remember this as parents. I want you to remember this as grandparents and as the people who help with this discipling process for all the children and with one another. It matters who we listen to, who we try to please, and when we teach this. Who do we listen to? Well, Moses wants Israel to pay attention. Here, Israel, is listen up. He's saying, listen to this, Israel. The Lord our God is one. That idea of one is to say that God is unique. God is God alone. There's no rival for Him. 
In fact, one of the things that we learn as disciples, and we need to be doing this with one another right now, when bad things happen, I mean, even when we're grieving and we, and we experience the death of others, we say, well, Satan's having a field day. No, he's not. Satan is not an equal of God. We are grieving the loss of people who put their trust in Jesus and we will see them again. Satan doesn't get a victory at that. Don't give it to him. Don't allow him to have that win that he doesn't deserve. No, what we do is, is even in tough times, we say, listen up, our God is God alone. And we can have faithfulness even when times are tough. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says there's got to be another way. But then when He says, not my will, but yours be done, He's saying, God, You are God. You are my Abba Father. And He will be obedient. He loves His Father and will obey Him. So who do we please? Because the word that we're to listen to is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. That's the first command. Jesus says two commands are great. He mentions that one. But do you understand that the love here means that we are wholly pleasing God with our whole being. Nothing is left out. If we show up here at church every Sunday, but our mind and our heart is somewhere else, go get the rest of it. Go get your mind. Go get your heart. Pick them up. Bring them in here. Let's be one. Let's be the realest people that we can be and love God. And not just here, but everywhere. Because we've got to live this out if we're going to make disciples. When do we teach? All the time. When you get up in the morning, when you walk along the way, when you go to bed at night, that's every watch of the day. Everywhere you go. This just becomes natural. It's who we are. It's what we do. All of the time is when we teach. Our campus um, ministry that we support out of this campus ministry. We've talked about the kid ministry today, the, the youth ministry today. Let's talk about the campus ministry uh, that, the, that the Richards are, are leading for us. And they, we said Campus Kids Healing Hope. And one of the things that came out of that is that they've encouraged some, some young college age people to go and be in ministry themselves. And so you know from our mission season that we're supporting a uh, a couple, the uh, two couples actually, uh, the 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 Wolfs and the Sigmunds, and they're at the University of Ohio, or Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. They are funded, and a lot of their business structure is is a group that's called. This is the name of their their um, uh, organization: Be One, Make One. I like that. I like that because it's about making disciples. If you're going to make a disciple, run it backwards. If you're going to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. And one of the things that Moses' lesson in Deuteronomy 6 convicts us of is this. If we want our children to obey God, then we have to be obedient first. You cannot make your children obey God if you have no interest in obeying God yourself. That's the best way to make a disciple of your child. 
doesn't mean that your children won't make mistakes. doesn't mean that your children won't disappoint you. But that's where they're at because they are human beings made in the image of God. And you and I have to make sure that we remain obedient. It's really about us being disciples first. And we have the best chance we have of raising young people to be disciples if we take that commitment seriously. In Deuteronomy, the message about how you're going to teach them and make disciples, it's really a type of immersion training. You know, that's the best way to learn a language. Some of you have met my friend Paul Kreitz. Uh, he was a missionary in Guatemala. When I first met him, I was amazed at how fluently he could speak Spanish. I said, how'd you learn? He said, immersion training. They just put us in a facility and you could not speak English. You had to speak Spanish if you were going to survive. That's immersion training. You get thrown in and you learn to swim. Immersion training. That's God's way. You're going to take this younger generation, you're going to take these disciples, and you're just going to throw them right into your community. You're going to teach them your ways. They're going to follow you. They're going to look at you. They're going to imitate you. And isn't that interesting then, that the first step into the Christian community is baptism. We are immersed into Jesus Christ. But the immersion doesn't end at baptism. Now we're immersed in the Spirit and the person and the community of Jesus Christ. We are taking children, we're taking any disciple from you to we. And let me explain what I mean by that because you see it in the rest of Deuteronomy. I want you to notice, Moses is giving them this lesson and at the end of this he says, when your children ask you in times to come, now think about it, Moses is there, he's looking into the promised land that he'll never go into, and he's already saying, let me tell you what awaits you over there. Years from now, generations from now, you're going to have your children, they're going to ask you, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? The young people are saying, you brought us in here, we're just now picking up on this, they're saying to the older generation, where did you get this? Here's what you say to your children. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us from there in order to bring us in to give us the land that He promised on oath to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good so as to keep us alive as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord our God as He has commanded us, we will be in the right. The child has asked a question about you, and they bring the child in and say, let's talk about we. Three, four generations after Moses, they are still saying this. And when you stop and think about it, there's not a single one of them that was actually enslaved in Egypt and went through all that. But you know what they do? They own it as if they had. 
And here we are generations after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that He is still with us. And every time we experience a baptism, every time we go through something, we say, you know what? We've got better stories. We remember when we were slaves in Egypt. You're thinking, wait a second, were we? Yes, we were. Because that story is our property. It's the story of our spiritual family. We remember when we went through persecution. We did. Yes, we did. So all this talk and worry about persecution. There's persecution coming in America. Hey, church, we've been through it before. And we know what God does. And whatever age you are, and if this is the first day you walked in here, or if you've been here since before there was a West Ark, we use the pronouns we, our, and us. Because we are God's disciples. We're not looking for you to become a part of us so that we get to decide if you are one of us, but God adds all of us to His body, to His church. And that's the change in language that's going to help us disciple our children. All those little children that were up here today, they are part of us. They are we. So, what we're asking everyone to own, the simple statement, the listen up Israel, Listen to this. Love the Lord your God. Live it out. But the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now as we wrap up this sermon, there's a few things we want to do here. You've got to be ready. You just always have to be ready. And there's a young woman named Leida. And she has uh, come to us today and she wants to be baptized. She wants to be ready. Yep, we're going to have a baptism. As long as we're there, I want you to know that if anybody else is willing and ready to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you've never been baptized, then maybe today, if you put your belief in Jesus, if you can make that confession and you're ready to be immersed in the way of Christ, then that could begin for you today as well. By the way, I also saw Colin, Olivia, I saw y'all come in here. You know what? We're also going to take an opportunity after... I finish this and we get ready for this baptism. I'd like for you guys to bring Elena up here because uh, you still get a blessing. Even, I mean, you know, we, we, we didn't get you earlier. All right, Olivia's down with this. She knows. She grew up here. She's immersed in the way. So we're going to have one more baby blessing. And maybe there's some others we need to take care of as well. But, uh, Leida, could I ask you to come over here with me? Are you going to be so incredibly embarrassed and shy if you do that? Or I'd just like you to... I'll meet you right here, okay? Or maybe we, we'll just meet you right here. <laughs> Leida, I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because you make that confession in Him, we are happy to baptize you into Jesus Christ, and we're going to do that today. All right, let's get ready for this. And uh, we, we've got some folks that are going to help you and your family here, and they're going to get you ready here if you want to go with Shelly and bring anybody else. So... Uh, Folks, what a blessing, isn't it? Just a blessing. All right. Give glory to God. Uh, by the way, while we're doing that, why don't I get elders, children's minister, whoever, Olivia, Colin, Elena, why don't you all come up here and we'll do the blessing, okay? Let's do that. I'm going to go baptize. So I'm going to leave this to you all, okay?
You got this? You got this. All right? You're not inspiring me with confidence, church. Just say, there you go. I love you all.